Hello and welcome to the podcast for the August 2008 issue of The Lancet Neurology. I'm Richard Lane and I'm here with TLN editor Helen Frankish to discuss three items from the August issue. But of course we really want you to read the article so we're not going to give it all away in the podcast. Let's start with the research article, Helen, and this is looking at the idea of lowering blood pressure as a way of preventing new dementia or reducing the incidence of dementia. should also mention, Helen, you've got quite a lot of dementia content this month. It's not a totally themed issue, but presumably it's going to a meeting. That's right. We're taking a bunch of copies to the ICAD meeting in uh, Chicago in a couple of weeks' time. So we thought it was important to have some themed content in this issue. Sure. And this study in particular, Helen, it's an interesting study, isn't it? So this is looking at the prevention of new dementia cases, linking dementia to blood pressure or specifically lowering blood pressure as a way of reducing new dementia. Can you just discuss this article, please? There had been concerns that the treatment of hypertension in very elderly patients might have a detrimental effect on brain function via a reduction of blood flow in the brain. And this is the first study to look at whether lowering the blood pressure in very old patients who have hypertension can reduce the incidence of dementia. And it's a sub-study of the HIVET study, which is the hypertension in the very elderly trial. And the main analysis was published in the New England Journal a couple of months ago, and this showed that blood pressure lowering treatment reduces the risk of stroke and death. And this is a sub-study of that main study, and about 3,300 patients aged 80 and over were randomised to either blood pressure lowering treatment or to placebo. And to be eligible for the study, patients had to have a systolic blood pressure of 160 to 200 millimetres of mercury and a diastolic pressure of less than 100 millimetres of mercury and no clinical diagnosis of dementia at baseline. The target of treatment was to reduce the systolic blood pressure to 150 millimetres of mercury and diastolic to 80 millimetres of mercury. And what did they find out? Well, the results showed, as you might expect, that the reduction in blood pressure was greater in patients who received the antihypertensive drugs than in those who were randomised to placebo. And the patients were followed up for a mean of 2.2 years, and during this time, 263 people were diagnosed with dementia. 137 in the placebo group and 126 in the treatment group, and this difference was not statistically significant. However, when the researchers combined their results into a meta-analysis of other similar trials, albeit in younger patients, they found that there was a statistically significant but small reduction in the incidence of dementia of about 13% with antihypertensive treatment. So how should we interpret that result, Helen? So in spite of the negative result for the main outcome in this trial, the results from the meta-analysis are encouraging because they suggest that the effect of blood pressure lowering on dementia might be clinically significant. And any treatment that can slow down the onset of dementia is very important from a public health point of view because delaying the onset of dementia even by a year or two would have a substantial effect on the numbers of people affected by dementia. And in the link commentary that we have with this article, Ingmar Skoog from Gothenburg University in Sweden concludes that as short-term antihypertensive treatment is beneficial for stroke and total mortality in very elderly people, it's important to detect and treat hypertension in these individuals irrespective of whether it prevents dementia because it might prevent cardiovascular disease and also it's safe in relation to brain function in elderly patients. Thanks, Helen. Let's move on to a review you have in this month's issue, and this is looking at biomarkers, isn't it, for dementia. 
What's this review talking about? There's a need for markers that can enable physicians to identify patients who have dementia at an earlier stage of the disease or even before clinical symptoms become apparent. And in this review, the authors define biomarkers as molecules whose concentration in the brain or biological fluids helps the diagnosis, assessment of disease progression or response to treatments. And biomarkers fall into several categories, those in the cerebrospinal fluid, the plasma or urine, and imaging of the brain. And most of the data available are for biomarkers of Alzheimer's disease. And amyloid beta and tau are two peptides that are deposited in the brains of patients with Alzheimer's disease. And the most advanced area of research seems to be that of CSF biomarkers, so cerebrospinal fluid biomarkers, and specifically whether the concentration of amyloid beta and tau are altered in the CSF of patients with Alzheimer's disease and whether alterations in these proteins can identify patients who have dementia or are at risk of developing the disease. What are these authors concluding in terms of where we are now or what the immediate future is with biomarkers for dementia? Well, they speculate that in the future, the assessment of genetic risk of neuroimaging to look at um, structural and functional changes and also some ensemble of biomarkers will become part of the standard examination for patients with dementia. And also, they suggest that this might enable new therapies to be tested in the most appropriate group of patients. Great. I think it's an area we're going to hear a lot more about. And finally, Helen, let's conclude with your leading edge. That's the editorial this month. And this is looking at memory clinics in England, not in the United Kingdom, but in England. And this is all tied up with the fact that there's a dementia strategy, isn't there, for England that's, that's out at the moment and it's up for consultation over the next couple of months. Tell us a bit about this, Helen, and one thing I would say, having read it, is is that I was really appalled by that statistic that you mentioned, that am I right in saying two-thirds of people with dementia don't actually have any clinical assessment or diagnosis? That's right. Only a third of patients ever actually re- receive a formal diagnosis of dementia. And um, the strategy for England, as you say, was released for public discussion and consultation last month. And developing this strategy has taken about a year with input from various stakeholders, including patients, carers and doctors. And the final strategy identifies three main aims for the next five years. Improved awareness of dementia through education and training of doctors, early diagnosis and treatment, and provision of high quality care. And of these three broad aims, as you say, early diagnosis is a key area in which improvement is sorely needed because only about a third of dementia patients in England receive a formal diagnosis. And in order to diagnose patients earlier, the dementia strategy is proposing that memory assessment clinics staffed by a multidisciplinary team of experts should be set up and the document suggests that this network of clinics could reduce the institutionalisation of patients with dementia by 22% and setting up this network of clinics is estimated to cost around £220 million per year but this is offset by savings of about £245 million per year if the clinics reduced institutionalisation by just 10%. 
And also, Helen, I think it's just fair to say, to wrap up here, that your editorial is also a call to action in a way, isn't it? Because the strategy is out for public consultation at the moment and goes on until September. So really, you're urging neurologists to to participate in this process. That's right, Richard. The role of neurologists and psychiatrists and geriatricians in the proposed memory clinics has yet to be fleshed out in the strategy. And we're encouraging our readers to make sure that they have the say on the strategy before the deadline of September. September the 11th, 2008. Great. Many thanks, Helen. Those are some of the highlights from the August issue of The Lancet Neurology. Helen and I will be back next month.